da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We are back again, less than 24 hours later, to talk Star Wars The Force Awakens once more. But this time, we are joined by two guests, two listeners, and uh, they're going to be the voice of the fans today. Today, we want your feedback. We asked you for your questions, for your emails, for your comments on The Force Awakens, and we're going to discuss those today on our Fan Speak Out special edition of Mad About Movies. Hello, Kent Garrison here, joined as always by Brian Gill and Richard Barden, my cohorts. What's up? Uh, Brian, how physically are you? I know you've been in the theater for the past <laughs> 72 hours. Yeah. Uh, have you, how yeah. do you feel? Takes a toll on your body, guys. Takes a toll. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is my, I, I've seen it four, I've seen this movie four times now. <laughs> good, so, uh, good I've, had a, I've had a full 24 hours to, uh, to kind of decompress. <laughs> and, uh, you've and seen unwind. the movie more, t- more, t- more times than days it's been out. That's kind of a <laughs> that was my goal. Is as yeah. long as it's in theaters, I want to see it at least once a day. No, uh, that's pro- I had some people on Twitter asking me, "Okay, how many more times are you going to go?" And I, I mean, I, I'm probably done for now, at least. Like, I'll take my kid to see it again, maybe after the holidays. But I think I'm done for for the next couple weeks anyway. Well, I do want to introduce our guests, Jonathan and Jazzy, our faithful, awesome listeners who we have conversed with many times via email and Facebook and Twitter and the social media outlets. Uh, but we've invited them on the show today. Very active on our Zanga. They actually, <laughs> they actually booked this episode or to come on this episode about six months ago. So good foresight yeah. by you. Uh, yeah. And this was one that you know the people that have requested to come on, be on the show with us and share a conversation have requested Star Wars, but we've always had to say, no, sorry, that one's booked. Uh, better luck next year. Yeah. So we're here. Yeah. And Even the guy that offered us 10K to do. So thanks a lot. You guys oh, wow. us a lot of money. Really uh, much. Maybe should have gone with that. <laughs> we wouldn't have held it against you. Before we dive into this fully, guys, I want to get to know you a little bit, uh, the listeners. Just your movie experience, your movie knowledge, and uh, what you like to watch. So I guess we could start with... Whichever one of you wants to volunteer, uh, what are some of your favorite movies, and how big of a Star Wars fan are you, or were you pr- uh, prior to The Force Awakens? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've done post-production and uh, digital media for the past four years. Uh, I've been following movies my entire life. Star Wars has basically been my life. Uh, uh, four through six were amazing and kind of just defined my childhood, and then one through three kind of slowly wrecked my childhood. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I, uh, I'm as big as a Star Wars fan as there is, and I've had this date circled on my calendar. I feel like for the past y- year, and then it got it got moved, and I, I, I was just so excited for when this came out. Josie, so. were you a fan of Star Wars before this? I know you were actually. Uh, yeah, you know. um, growing up as a kid, um, I first got introduced to Star Wars, um, watching episodes four through six um, with my grandparents, and um, they loved it as well. And that's how I really got into it. And I remember um, I always tell people this story because I'm not really particularly proud of it. At one point, my um, grandpa asked me if I wanted vintage, like, 70s, probably 77 Millennium Falcon toy. Really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is like, oh, go. Yeah. I've still got mine somewhere. Tucked yeah, away, awesome. yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, I don't want that piece of junk. Like, and then, like <laughs> So from there, when I got older and I started like, realizing just like the importance of like that, that starship itself, and I was just yeah. like, oh. 
man, I was like, I wish that, you know, I, I took that when I was younger, but I didn't know better back then. Um, so movies have definitely become my like, you know, favorite pastime. I think I started taking movies seriously after um, my first year of college. That's when I started to break down movies critically, you know, give, like recommend movies to people, don't recommend movies to people, kind of like become... I wouldn't say like a, I wouldn't say like an amateur critic, but we li- I like to discuss movies yeah. like a lot. And sure, so sure. Um, this year, I mean, it has been good. I mean, um, you guys were talking about this year is supposed to be good. I mean, we got a lot of hits, you know, like Mad Max, The Martian, Straight Outta Compton, Creed, This, Jobs. It's been an overall pretty yeah. good movie. Jup- and Jupiter Ascending, yeah, definitely. yeah. That's <laughs> oh, tra- oh, Transformers is last year, but yeah. <laughs> We end the year with Star Wars, and it's and it's pretty. Um, yeah. it's pretty um, I'm super excited to um, get on this call and discuss with you guys, and I'm super excited for um, what Disney and JJ has plan hasn't planned for the future of the franchise. I'm I'm excited as well, and I just want to get a little sense more of your movie knowledge and movie love. Um, first of all, how old are you guys? Just so we get a kind of a sense of who we're talking, what we're talking about here. Just 27. 27. Okay. I am the 28, so we're right in the same same ballpark there. And one other thing. Not Brian. Yeah, I'm 64. <laughs> 64. Happy birthday, by the way, Brian. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, one more thing. Have you guys seen Now You See Me? <laughs> uh, have you not? <laughs> uh, it's an instant classic, and it's on every Friday night. Uh, that and draft day back to back. Yeah, that is the that's the playlist. Yep, yep. And with Jupiter ascending as well. Imagine yes. just take a girl if you want to impress them on a first date. Just like hey, hey, let's come back to my place. Let's watch a flick, and it's just back to back. Now you see me in draft day, <laughs> and just judge her based on that. Like if she's then, really yeah, stoked about it, then never our talk to her again. And really take. <laughs> How stoked are you guys for the um, now you see me? What is it, the second act? Second act. <laughs> Yes. You know, I'm glad you asked because last night I sat down and because uh, I have nothing to do on a Saturday night. So I made our, our loose schedule for the upcoming year. And uh, I think I'm more excited about Now You See Me Too than any other movie in 2016. <laughs> just because it's a kind of a crappy year for film, it looks like, just from the outside. And we're, I really, so that's going to keep us going for another three years. Just just having yeah. that movie release, I think. So. <laughs> The trilogy. Yep, we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the listeners, the people listening at home, know our thoughts. We talked Force Awakens right after we got out of our premiere screening of it, and uh, we talked over an hour about that. So thank you for those of you who have listened to that conversation. But I want to get a sense. First of all, initial impressions, Jonathan Jazzy, on the Force Awakens. What were your expectations? Uh, were they met? And just go general. I keep it spoiler free, but right after this, I will warn the listener, we're getting deep into spoilers. There's gonna be probably more spoilers in this episode than in the previous one, if that's even possible. We're gonna we're gonna really break it down here. So uh go ahead, uh Jazzy, I guess. What 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 did you think of of The Force Awakens? In terms of most anticipated movies in my entire life, it's definitely number one. <laughs> I, I can recall a moment at one moment at one moment in my life i think it was actually the dark knight rises was going to be the most anticipated movie of my entire life mm-hmm. because you know number two was so good but this one just literally from um i remember last year the day after thanksgiving i like looked on twitter and it was like oh the star wars trailer's gonna drop today, a teaser and i and i remember i'm um, usually at, at my job um the day after thanksgiving um, when we work it's lax um people go in like around 10 and leave like around noon 
Um, I got in like at 11 because I was like waiting for a trailer to like premiere like <laughs> my bed, like waiting for it. So the um, expectations were set um, super high. And then I believe after the final trailer is when I stopped officially, I like, I like toned out everything. I wasn't going to read anything about it. I was going to yeah, loosely yeah. follow it like um, with, the, with the reviews. And then I this past Wednesday, my friend like screenshotted me. He was like, that's 122 critics. And it was like 96% of Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. <laughs> and so um, it, it was funny. And like throughout the day, I was just constantly refreshing Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> just like, oh, it's going up. It's going up. It's going up. So um, going to the movie, the expectations were high. I came out of it. I was um, super excited. Um, I'm just happy that they did the franchise justice on screen, considering um, we've had like a bad taste in our mouth since Return of the Jedi, realistically, on, t- on, on screen. Uh-huh. When you watch one and two, like they're bad, bad. But then when you watch three, you're like, oh, OK, it's not that bad, but it's a little bit too late at that point. And mm-hmm. then from there, it just gave the franchise like it puts franchise in a really good direction going forward. They have the right people behind the helm as well. So I'm super excited for what's in store. Yeah, it's almost as if with the prequels, George Lucas found out how to do them with the third one you know right. like he needed a trial run on one and two to like b- basically get the tone correctly for the prequels and right. I, i'm just sad you know that it came with revenge of the sith um yeah. because i guess it's, it was definitely too late you're exactly right we we had um i remember when we had emailed you guys you guys said start like watching the movies again and so yeah. i remember um I, uh, we've seen four five and six like so many times uh we have rewatch shows um lightly going like rewatching one two and three um Ugh. i mean because i remember as a kid coming out of it in 99 i was like well, that was like the coolest thing ever and like you said and then right, like right. Actually, when you watch it again you're like oh it's pretty bad and it's like you watch it again you go older you're like oh it's really bad and i watched it again this time and i was like it's unbearable i'm probably never gonna watch episode one ever again <laughs> yes <laughs> especially after this movie like i i definitely i came out of force awakens with a new hatred for the prequels because it's like oh so these movies can be done right it's just that those three right. sucked like that's right. It, right. yeah and i and i think also with the revision of the sith i just think that's the only story that people wanted to be told with the prequels right. was the yeah, transition right. from anakin to darth vader and all that previous yeah. was just yeah but before this this happened but before that this happened well like who cares force awakens definitely had it into its detriment not nearly enough trade federation talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Richard really like, enjoys the political aspect. Yeah, yeah. I'm really into the bureaucracy of, of different, uh, you know, yeah. uh, tariffs and things like that. <laughs> That's what I, I mean, intergalactic tariffs. I mean, you got, I mean, Brian, you know, I, mean, I studied this yeah. stuff. So, um, not nearly I, enough it, blockades. His, right. Yeah. His dissertation <laughs> is quite the reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so uh, I don't want to get into prequel things, but there's 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 so many things we didn't hit on in our believe it or not our like four hours we talked about the prequels that the, it's the just the funniest part is that he has Liam Neeson and Darth Maul and just murders them both in the first one. That tells you all you need <laughs> yeah. to know about the prequels. Yeah. Right, right. right. Well, well, Jonathan, what were your initial impressions of Episode Seven? All right, so about halfway through, and I, I was actually kind of thinking of what Brian was thinking. You figure out you're like, oh. There's endless possibilities in this universe. The, the, the amount of spinoffs they can do. You figure out that they've just perfectly set up this universe for the next 10, 20 years. And you, you come out of it and you go, yeah, that felt like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it really distinguishes just how bad the first three are. Uh, and the fact that you that the original cast was so well integrated into this new cast, too, was just the, the casting alone has got to be applauded for this uh, 
It, it, it hits so well, and you just see that this is just a franchise. You, you see the next three movies perfectly falling into shape. And the next 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. If you can only be so lucky. Exactly. Yeah. This is going to milk this one out. <laughs> so y'all went to, a, I guess, a midnight screening, or how did you catch it? Did you kind of wait it out, or did you book your tickets in advance? Actually, I'm sure you probably booked your tickets in advance. What was it like? What was the atmosphere like when you went and saw it for the first time? Okay, so the atmosphere was crazy because we were seeing an 8.30 uh, showing because uh, on the West Coast, the, at 7 o'clock, you can get into the theaters uh, to see premieres. So we saw the 8.30 showing, and at 8.15, somebody pulled the fire alarm. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. 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 So it, it literally was like a scene from War of the Worlds, just like it people was- <laughs> getting moved around. Uh, it was as crazy before a show as it could be. It was pandemonium. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. But there was this uh, little old ticket uh, ticket collector, and people were like jumping over the gate to get in. It was it, so he much. looked so overwhelmed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy, but it's. Um, I, I kind of wanted we wanted to get that experience that you know, like you know, our parents and um, Brian have experienced back in '77 when they first saw the movie. <laughs> so, um, right. So um, we it, it, it was just. The atmosphere of the theater was just on another level. Like from the moment, it was like Star Wars on the screen. Everyone like screamed and clapped. And every single time we saw like an old character or got like an old reference, we just like screamed and went crazy. It was um, it was it was an awesome experience. That's great. Well, let's get into it then. What, Jonathan, did you yeah. like the most? What stuck out to you uh, after seeing it for the first time? First off, this. Thank God we went to, back to practical effects because the CGI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that just the feel of it was just so much bigger and felt so much more natural and star. It felt like the Star Wars we knew, and then uh, just the casting. Oh my! I, I can't stress that enough. And the, having a female protagonist, those two things really just stood out to me. That's what I really took away from this. Yeah, yeah. I think I think having a female protagonist is so weirdly necessary with this. How. Just just that makes it not feel like so much of a retread of A New Hope. I would I would feel like there would be a bit of a backlash if they just re basically reinvented Luke Skywalker. Right, right. Uh, and there's there's just endless possibilities with this. And and man, you're right with the casting. Daisy was just the perfect person. We've we yeah. reiterated that a long uh, a lot. But after my second viewing and after Brian's third and fourth viewings i'm sure brian you can attest to how well ray fits in this universe yeah it's incredible absolutely she's she's magnificent the character the the design and the character development is so good and then then you have the perfect person to play that role like she's just a superstar that's i mean that's that's all all it comes down to she's going to be a a superstar and uh the casting is perfect you know we got several several emails and tweets and whatnot this week of people talking about, you know, thinking of ways to amp up uh, these films moving forward and talking about, you know, casting, you know, they need to, and I think half of them were half joking at least, you know, but like they got to add the rock or Jason Statham or one of these, you know, and that's, a, you know, and I laugh at all those cause it's funny, but this is the one, I really think this is the one franchise where it's not about the name that gets cast. It's about finding the right person to play. Even I'll, I'll give George that even for the prequels. I mean, the prequels are, are terrible, but beyond Samuel L. Jackson, who kind of we, we have hypothesized, like just went to Lucas's office and demanded that he get in. And, and Lucas just was kind of scared and said, yes, but beyond George, I mean, excuse me, beyond Jackson, um, he didn't go out and cast just a 
ton of huge names and things like that because it's not about the actor as far right. as their name value. It's about are they you know are they capable of of of, re- of doing the character justice and. You know, obviously the prequels, he got those completely wrong. But I will give him credit for going out and trying to find people rather than just, you know, whoever the, the big actor in 1999 was. OK, now they're, you know, that's every spot. And it's the same with these films. We love Oscar Isaac, um, but yeah. nobody nobody knows who Oscar Isaac is if yeah. you're not yeah. in these circles, you know. And Adam Driver's kind of the same way and John Boyega. And then no one knew who J- Daisy Ridley was and. JJ and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else, the way that they were able to put that together. Yeah, you're totally right, Kent. That's on watching the third and fourth time, I'm just sitting there and I was totally mesmerized by the actual acting of those mm-hmm. those guys. And that's you know, you don't always get that in a blockbuster type film. Yeah, it would have been so easily easy to cast an Emma Watson or a Jennifer Lawrence or yes. somebody in this role. But how wrong that would have felt, I just I think it would have been distracting, yeah. Yeah. honestly. Yeah. What about Boyega, uh, guys? What did you think of of Finn? Um, I thought he was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I was kind of taken back by um, the amount of humor in the movie initially, yeah. but um, yeah. after a while, it you're right. It started to feel very natural. He's his him and um, Boyega and Daisy Ridley's chemistry. You guys talk about this in your previous podcast. You can tell they spent countless hours practicing it because um, we have saw it again yesterday morning. And I think uh, one scene that stood out to me was when they first had their experience piloting and uh, shooting from the Millennium Falcon. And they're like, mm-hmm. how'd you do that? Like, um, I don't know. Like, it's, it felt natural. Like, they were going back and forth. And then that, that entire like, scene that um, between that ter- the entire interaction between them, it didn't feel forced at all. It felt it felt very natural. And you're right. Like, initially, you, you, you think um, how he's going to fit into – how is he going to fit into the universe? But you're right. Like, same time, it's not about, like, the big names. It's about, like, picking up people, like, from – Someone like John Boyega just did like attack was attack on blo- attack on a block the um, yeah. UK movie. Um, now he's pulled into this, and he is now like like they're all superstars now. And uh, you're, you're right, like there's um, multiple storylines to continue taking this. Like there's like Poe Finn's character storyline. There's like Daisy Ridley's character. She's gonna be what she's gonna do at the end of the movie, obviously. And also Kylo Ren's story. There's still a lot of right. background right. Yeah. on him that we don't really know much about. So um, and then also like. Well, we don't want to get into spoilers right now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I think we should get. I think we should get into spoilers because yeah. there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about regarding the yeah, future of these characters and what happens here. So, spoilers coming up now for the Force Awakens. It's hard to imagine anyone who's listening to this who still hasn't seen the movie. But seriously, <laughs> see the movie before listening to this. I, we really don't want to be the ones to ruin something for you. So, spoilers coming up now for Episode Seven. There's a lot of mystery regarding Finn's character and upon my second viewing it's we really don't know much about this guy he's just kind of a normal normal person and it's weird that Ray is basically the main protagonist but JJ has kind of written in two protagonists here I feel like Finn is the more relatable character to a typical person as if somebody you know maybe he got drafted into the stormtroopers you know Mm -hmm. obviously didn't want to do it and such a powerful scene that's you know in the first scene of the movie but Really yeah, tells us all we need to know is when uh, they, I guess, go to the village where Poe Dameron is and where they know the map is, and mm-hmm. uh, BB-8 escapes. Poe gets captured, and uh, Captain Phasma and, and Kylo Ren come there, capture Poe, and uh, they say, "I think Fa- I think uh, Kylo Ren." They ask him, "Sir, the villagers," and then Phasma or something says, "Kill them all," 
And so they basically do a firing squadron on the uh, village itself, all the citizens. And that one shot of everybody firing, and it's just slowly it's, zooming in on Finn, and he's just standing there with his rifle, not shooting. Yeah. It's just extremely powerful, and you just... I don't know. The, the story, like we anticipating this, we're like, what if the stormtroopers actually mean something in the new trilogy? Like that would be the one of the more interesting avenues to go down would be if they actually have an impact on the story and to have a main character or protagonist be an ex stormtrooper who's rebelling. It's just such a cool yeah. plot yeah. line, and yeah. that could have been the whole movie there. You know, if Ray wasn't even involved, this whole thing could have revolved around Finn it's and trying story. to join the rebellion. And something else I also noticed and really like more now that I've seen it a, a second time is just is Finn when he just <laughs> is trying to convince everyone that he's a a, rebe a rebel pilot. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm in the rebellion. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is how we look. look like. Yeah. yeah. Some of what? us. Others look different. One of the funnier moments is just a, a 30 second dialogue between uh, him and Han when they're about to go on the planet to. Sure. Uh, I guess attack the Star Killer base. He, you yeah. know, he says, "Hey, Han, just want you to know, I'm I'm a big name with the with the rebels. There's a big there price on my back." You know, <laughs> yeah. Are, are there any conspirators here? Anything like that? And Han's like, "Yeah, women, you can't Always. lie. You can't lie to a woman, or something yeah. like that." Is a little back and forth. That was so funny, but yeah. just him trying to disguise himself as a rebel and convince everyone that he's a rebel is just. It was a funny little. Uh, moment. I guess they use it as comic relief, but it's also him just trying to not get caught as being a traitor. Right. And it's it's right. crazy. Well, what do we think about uh, Finn's motivations as a person? Because uh, and notice on the second time as well, Kylo Ren, when they leave the uh, the place where they capture Poe, mm -hmm. and they find out the droid uh, has the map, they say, "Sir, you know the droid left with somebody." And they Kylo Ren says something like, "It was it was FN two one eight seven." You yeah. know, like he knew he felt the the presence of FN two eight seven when he went onto the planet or he knew about this guy and that and they even have the line with General Hux and Phasma where he asks Phasma, you know, has he sh shown any signs of rebellion in the yeah. past? And Phasma's like, No, this is the first time. So right. to to me, I'm asking the question, how did Kylo Ren know that this stormtrooper was the one the suspect uh in question if he had no prior signs of rebellion or anything like that. You know, it's not like they were looking out for this guy. I think it's because he has some kind, maybe he has the force or uh, it's just something that occurred to me. This he, previous he feeling, you know, remember how um, Lupita's character told him, um, you know, I, I look in your eyes and I see the eyes of a runner. Mm -hmm. uh, I maybe at that scene when they were looking at each other, um, Kylo Ren and Finn, when Finn had the stormtrooper um, outfit on, maybe Kylo Ren at that point felt his like fear. And just knew who he was from there. That's why I kind of interpreted it. Okay. Uh, that was one avenue, Jonathan. Uh, I, I just kind of got the impression that when he was the only one not firing, that when they he was staring down Kylo Ren, and then when Kylo Ren walked away and let the bullet that he had been holding in the air go off and explode, uh, I, I kind of just thought he felt the fear of... Finn's character, and that's kind of how it came through. It's going to be interesting as well to see how they play out the Finn plotline with the yeah. First Order, because I feel like there's going to be, you know, persecution for him leaving the First Order. That hasn't yeah. really been, you know, drawn out yet. It's yeah. just so wide open now. That's yeah. that's the thing that I love so much about it. And I I thought JJ did a really good job with that with the first Star Trek film of the way that he he kind of reset that entire franchise and that entire universe. And uh, 
and I think he kind of did a, a very similar thing with this of like, there are no closed doors anymore. Like this is, this is the, essentially this is like playing a video game. That's an open world video game. You know, like they could go anywhere that they want and, uh, and involve any character for an in-depth storyline that, uh, that you really, that you might possibly want to see. I mean, it's, it is such a smart way of, of setting this whole franchise up moving forward. Yeah. I might be looking too far into this, but just something that I noticed as well is that Ray, has a British accent. She has a natural British accent, but John Boyega has a British accent too. But for some reason, he speaks in an American accent here in this movie. It's because his is so thick you can't. Is that really the reason? Understand him? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's I, th- I think it has something to do with something we'll discover later. Maybe a bloodline he belongs to. Could be. I'm thinking it's <laughs> that the stormtroopers have that trained kind of the same voice. Like they all sound the same through that uh, their little radio thing. So mm-hmm. I think he had to because you never hear a British stormtrooper. It's true. It, it also, I don't know, including uh, including Daniel Craig. He wasn't British. When he <laughs> yeah. Was, so. While while Leia and Luke were spoken an American accent, well, Leia for most of the time spoken an American <laughs> accent, and so did Amidala and Anakin, and it just makes me wonder the origin of Rey now because the right. most obvious conclusion you can draw is that she's a descendant of either Leia or Luke. Or the yeah, Skywalker exactly. bloodline, but the fact that she speaks in that accent makes me believe something, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi, something like that. Uh, ben Kenobi is somebody we haven't really talked about at all in these new, but we know he exists and we know he's here because J.J. revealed, and actually in the flashback that Ray has, uh, we hear Ben's voice briefly when mm-hmm. Ray is a young child. So maybe we, maybe Ben had, uh, Ben Kenobi has something to do with Ray's upbringing. I'll give uh, you a guardian. I'll give you a theory, a theory on that from okay. our friend Jason. He and I, I can't I can't say this is wrong. I you know I don't get too deep into theories. Like I kind of just tend to let the movie happen and not worry about it. But um, he Unless felt like Boy Meets World fan fiction, right? Well, that's I mean that's <laughs> that's life. That's not yeah. Okay, it's not it's not fiction. I don't okay. I don't no, understand. Right. Um, sorry. No, <laughs> uh, Jason felt like that whole sequence of the flashback and everything that was all from, uh, from Luke's eyes of, uh, so that would like give, that would lend credence to the, the idea that she's Uh, Luke's daughter. Yeah. But there is a shot of Luke putting his hand on, on, uh, on R2, which is interesting as well. There, we Mm. didn't talk about as well that there fact that, that there are some scenes from the trailer that don't show in the movie. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the, I guess a woman's hand handing over the lightsaber to uh, Ray, which is yeah. a shot in the trailer, we, which we thought was Leia giving the lightsaber. Maybe that's With, that was a, something that didn't get worked. Maybe it was just pre CGI Maz Katana handing the lightsaber yeah, over or something like that. I, when I rewatched the trailer after watching the movie, that's what I got from it. I thought it was pre CGI Maz Katana holding her hand like before her they put the texturing on the hand and yeah, all that. Yeah, because remember Makes when sense. that first came out in the trailer, it looked kind of bizarre like the entire like arm transfer itself uh-huh. uh, so that's what i got from it i thought it was mas katana yeah that makes sense yeah, that does make sense that's an interesting theory though brian and that's one i, I want to look into my theory on ray and i want to just ask y'all your opinion on her origin or whatever is i think she's a descendant of of han and leia i think she's the daughter of han and leia that maybe mm-hmm. han didn't know about or you know she was too young to remember or he didn't want her to know that 
Uh, right. Because we, we get hints of it, the fact that she's such a great pilot on the Falcon itself and that they're, they kind of see eye to eye, like they're this, almost the same person in that aspect. But I do think that she has, is in the Skywalker bloodline. I, I really do. And I think that she's going to learn later that her brother is Kylo Ren and yeah. there's going to be this big coming out uh, or reveal that uh, I'm, I'm your brother, your father was Han, and then she's going to have this big realization that, oh my gosh, you killed my father, and it's going to be mm. one of those again. Rogue One takes place between Sith and um, A New Hope, so right. we might get some answers as to her origin story in Rogue One, too. Yeah, that's true. That- hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. I'm really interested to see how those spinoffs, how they tie into the greater universe and if they're going to answer questions from past films and just fill in those blanks or if they they will tie in directly in a marvelly way to you know the the current films. i agree um like for example in the first scene um who's max von Sydow's character um yeah yeah there um it looks like him um he hinted that him and leia knew each other and he's important so from there, that opens up the question of, um, you know, what happened in the last like 30 years? Like um, I was trying to piece together. We were both trying mm-hmm. to piece together the timeline, like um, how, how long has Luke been missing? Pinpointing like it's like, OK, Kylo Ren, he can be at max 30 years old <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, from there. But also uh, back to um, Ray's character, one scene that stood out to me when I um, we watched it the second time was when Maz Katana had asked Han Solo. She says, who's the girl? And then it just cuts off. Mm-hmm. And then there, yeah. and then it drew mystery. Um, you know, start thinking like, okay, like there's a lot more of this character that we obviously do not know. Yeah. And we don't know her last name, her or Finn. And I think that's kept purposeful because we will learn them eventually. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. There's so, like you said, Brian, there's, there are 50 avenues you can go down here. I'm sure they know, I'm sure they know the Avenue. Like I'm sure before they wrote this movie that Kylo Ren was Han's son and all that, you know, the, the small details I'm sure they had hammered out. Maybe that's stuff that even George Lucas had, uh, had written for out for them. But mm. I'm, I'm interested to know, have you heard anything? Have, has anybody heard anything about the, what Michael Arndt brought to the table and what of that made it into the movie and things like that? I haven't heard any, I mean, I think they've kind of, they've kept it fairly tight lipped of what was his, what was JJ's, what was Lucas's. It's just kind of a collaborative effort. And I think that's the way that they want it to be presented. Cause that guy's a very good writer. He can do some very good things. So I would imagine he brought something, but I just, I, I we never really got a great answer for why he got dropped out of the project. Mm. 
He's been doing some interviews though. It doesn't seem too bitter. Too bitter. He talked about uh, he originally wanted to introduce C three PO and R two D two together, and it was JJ's idea to not do that. And he was like, "That was way better." He was right, kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, he doesn't seem like he's too uh, bummed about it. Yeah, I think that was a good. Oh, I think that was good to save them to the end. Um, right. Well, he, he comes out of that. I mean, he comes out of the Pixar family, and that's very. I mean, that happens all the time with Pixar movies. Of, exactly. Yeah. You're writing this, but it's not really working. We're going to bring somebody else in, or hey, this is a really good idea, but I need to get somebody else who can take it to the next level. And yeah, it's very corporate kind of. Like, yeah, it's, uh, definitely. You know, it's a team, team, uh, you know, teamwork. Such a funny moment where we see Leia for the first time, you know, in 30 years and, and Han meets her and, and they're locking eyes and then C-3PO is just, oh, it just, head just pops into <laughs> yeah. frame. And it's like, that was funny, yeah. but well, it's even funnier. And is Han's eye roll there? It's just yeah. like the, yeah. the eye roll of America and the world. Like, oh, this yeah. guy again, well, you thought 3PO was gone. This guy, yeah, we've had, I think we've all had enough of him. I, right. I, I, it honestly bummed me out when he, started jawing and jabbering i was shut up you know and 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 it was also funny that he thought he wouldn't recognize him with the red arm and everything that was clever that's that's how it happened that's not how it happened (laughs) so jonathan we haven't heard much from you any any other things that stuck out that you absolutely loved about the force awakens or hated feel free to bring the hate too we love hate all right, and I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm curious how you guys felt about this. This is my one kind of problem with the movie is that uh, it, it, there's always been concern that it was kind of a rehash in certain regards, but Starkiller Base, and when they literally showed the difference between how big that was yeah, yeah. And, and the Death Star, and then it's like instead of destroying one planet, it destroys five. Right. Like the stakes are up that much more, and – that was the only kind of thing I was like, JJ, couldn't we kind of do something else different just mm-hmm. to kind of make it feel big? And uh, that that was the only thing that kind of bothered me. But uh, other than that, I, I loved the movie. I don't. I definitely don't think that was the best plot point of the whole movie. You know, I mean, it was that that was the. I'm with you there. I think that was kind of the area where you felt like. Uh, like maybe the creativity had just been expended, you know, right. or just to the point of like, okay, we've got to, <laughs> what are they going to be doing? Well, I guess they could be on a Death Star. Well, it can't be the Death Star. Well, what if it's a planet? I thought yeah. the planet sort of thing was, that was a cool design. Oh, yeah, um, but absolutely. It, but it did take it to a level where you're just kind of like, okay, I do feel like I've seen this before. Right. It, it even had the same weakness. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and the same like, um, you know, um, the rebellion people were like plotting around a table. Even that, it, it's, it's felt there. extremely. It, you're right. <laughs> it felt extremely derivative. Like we need to mix the pointer scenes from Return of the Jedi and A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So they right. did those. It, it almost even the costuming felt like a cross yeah. between the two. And yeah. they add Admiral Akbar, which we didn't touch on on our last podcast too. Was the yeah. fact that Admiral Akbar's back? I love. He sounds like. 98 years old. I don't know if they yeah. found the original guy that did the voice, but <laughs> he sounds so old and almost not like Akbar. But you're right. It, it's extremely derivative. And I, I felt the, the climactic, the third act in itself was, was very derivative of Star Wars. Like as if they can't have, there's no way to do a Star Wars film without a third act that consists of, a, you know, X Wing squadron fighting a base <laughs> while yeah. simultaneously there's a lightsaber battling happening. You know, that, that has to be the end. And so, you know, we'll see where they go from here if that's the, the template that they stick with. But I, I'm looking forward to 
you know, it's not going to happen in Rogue One. Obviously, we know there's going to be right. some kind of climactic X-wing battle in that one. I'm excited to see that they could mix it up a little bit uh, mm-hmm. here in the future. Yeah. That and man, Star Killer Base was very confusing. Um, does it move around? Is it only able to destroy <laughs> to, to destroy planets that uh, are in its vicinity? You know, that was very. Confusing. Mm-hmm. I, I did like how yeah. they built they built it into an existing planet. I thought that was a cool touch instead of building a a separate base if you will yeah. or starship like they did with the death star it, they kind of hollowed out a planet a snow planet the snow planet and uh and and did it that way but yeah. even the shot of of poe dameron you know i guess going into the the ravine like they do in the uh original star mm-hmm. wars the yeah. iconic shot of luke going down the uh i guess not river but you know what i mean yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, they I even get, had the fat pilot again. Right. They had the fat the Porkins. Yeah. They Porkins. Had, <laughs> they had Porkins again. But, I mean, just the shot, it, like the camera swooping down and then going into the crevasse, it's, it's, it was an updated version of that shot. But right. that just felt derivative to me as well. Like there were, there are different ways to do it without, I guess, directly ripping off the original trilogy. Uh, they really did try to toe the line with homage and new. But, I mean... Even the last time I watched it, there's just there's sometimes there's a little too much at times, and that that would be the only downfall of this movie would be, I think in hindsight JJ will be like we we referenced or paid too much attention to previous events. Like the fact that you have the characters in this is enough for me, you know. Yeah. The yeah, fact yeah. that Han Solo is a yeah. character again, and we're learning more about him in the past thirty years and Leia and everything. That's enough for me. I don't need to him to literally say lines that he said in the first right. movie, like yeah. as if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I'll be back again in the new Terminator. Like, yeah, there's a couple things that I think could have been altered a little bit on that. But the, my counterpoint to that is we have all said at some point either today or in our last episode that this feels like a star Wars movie. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of impetus on JJ to, it's not just, it's not that it's not just, we got to make up for the prequels. It's, it's like we have to erase the prequels from yeah. from memory. And so I just think I think there was so much attention paid to a he had a very difficult more a much more difficult job than I think I recognize going in of having to start a huge franchise off establish with establish a universe, but it's even more than that. It's establishing a universe that already has a universe connected to it, you know? And and to do that it's number one but number two is just to I've got to make a movie that feels authentic to the original, that feels like home. And I, you guys are totally right. There's, I think maybe my wife said after we, we talked about it uh, yesterday, she said, I think maybe two less lines from Han Solo that were exact takeouts from, from the original, like just two times, three times maybe where you just, how about just a little bit less? And I think you would have been kind of on the perfect balance on that. So I, I, I agree with you guys. It definitely, there were moments where you think, okay, that may have been taking it a step too far, but I just think there was just so much at stake, you know, and so much pressure of, I've got to get, it's not just make a good movie. I've got to make a great movie that feels the right way. And that's just, that's a really difficult task to pull off. I think. And I think too to continue my rant, having watched this in the third and fourth time, there I think uh, I think that Harrison Ford was having the most fun that he's ever had making a movie. And I, in hindsight, I think you can kind of tell he's pulling out all the stops of this is the last one for me. This is my last hurrah. Yeah. And I I would wager knowing 
as much as we do about Harrison Ford, that there were times that it was like, hey, man, can you do this instead? Nope, not doing it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be, yeah. I know Han Solo. I'm going to do Han Solo, you know? <laughs> and, and okay, I'm good with that. Like, all right, no problem. <laughs> yeah, Han or Harrison Ford always used to say or beg George Lucas to kill him off in the previous films. Right. Like, that's yeah. well publicized. He wanted to be killed off in Empire Strikes Back, but Lucas is like, no, we're just going to freeze you so you can come back eventually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because Harrison Ford's point was my character has no impact on the story at all, really. He's just kind of there to be funny. This story is Luke and Leia and Anakin and, and the whole deal, you know, and it's really Han is just kind of almost comic relief. So I, I kind of sensed that Han wasn't going to make it just because of that. I, I didn't think Harrison Ford, the person, would commit to another trilogy of of Star Wars films, but maybe this this JJ finally giving Harrison Ford his wish. You know, it's like, hey, will you do this new Star Wars movie? Yes, I promise it's the last one. We right. won't we won't do this to you again. Yeah. But it's crazy. You can I feel like Han was the ultimate reveal. Like that's everybody, you know, when they showed the trailer for the first time that the Chewie were home thing, that set the world on fire. Seriously. Everyone was losing their minds with that. And it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, in the in the next episode eight, episode nine how many more cards they can pull from the original trilogy. Cause you can only pull the Han card once, you know, right. yeah, <laughs> and totally. to get everyone psyched, especially for, you know, opening weekend hype, like people wanting to go see this for the opening weekend, like, well, Han's in it. So, okay, I'm going to go see it. You know, it's just, there are only a certain amount of cards you can pull and Han is the biggest one and they've pulled it already. So that's all also something that it, that's been weighing on me. Just the fact that we don't have any more Han. It's, it's uh, crazy to think. But yeah, we have Chewy. That's true. We more asked, Chewy. More, more Chewy. We do have more Chewy. And man, this second viewing, this they do Chewy so well. The emotion that you actually know Chewy <laughs> yes, now. Yes. I, I think they like made I, him a real character yeah. instead yeah, of just kind yeah. of a background guy. Like Chewy's always been my favorite character from from Star Wars, and that was more just based on he looks awesome and he's cool, you know, but now it's okay, now you're actually seeing like some character development there. The scene where he's crying after Han dies like that's yeah. that's kind of brutal man like it's really good and then he shoots uh, his his bow at Kylo right. Ren that was awesome that's yeah. he's like yelling yeah. and everything that's crazy also funny movie, a couple funny moments with Chewie you know they meet Han Solo for the first time Ray and Finn do and they say oh my gosh Han Solo the war general and then Finn's like no Han Solo the smuggler and then they pan to Chewie and he's like oh I don't know you know it could be one of those right. yeah. that's a funny yeah. moment and as well when he kind of gets hurt and he's getting stitched up and the nurse is like, Oh, that sounds so scary. You did such a good job. Like as yeah. if he's like at the vet or something. You know? yeah. I thought that was like a funny little moment as really well good. with Chewie. Yeah. But man, you're right, Brian. More well, Chewie even the awesome. moment of him, of him essentially handing over the Falcon to Ray is <laughs> that's a very touching little, I mean, it, it goes back to, this is something that the original trilogy did so well and Force Awakens did too, of like, we, I think we talked about it, of how um, how you can make a droid have human emotions and display human emotions through noises and like a little head turret, yeah. you know, thing. It's the same with Chewie. Like, that was a very emotionally packed moment when he just kind of gives her the nod of like, okay, it's yours now. The ship is, yeah. you know, that's yeah. such a cool touch that is, you know, completely absent from from the prequels i think my favorite line in the entire movie i'm not even kidding is ray and, and them on the falcon and they finally land and uh, the ship's going all alarms are going crazy and 
and they stop and then Han's like, what happened? And she's like, I bypassed the compressor. <laughs> and she's got this, I just thought that was the funniest yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> the way she, the, yeah. I mean, the take that they got, I don't know. It just plays so perfectly and it, it's, a, it's weirdly become my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I want to get to some questions or comments from uh, our listeners. I asked you to submit and you did. So thank you to those uh, who did that. Uh, Eric Larson says BB eight stole the whole first part of the movie. It was an awesome film. I'm more excited for the next great setup by JJ. Can't wait. What did you guys think of BB eight? Uh, Jonathan and, uh, Jazzy? Um, BB eight was pretty awesome. <laughs> and, um, funny. I actually, this morning, um, was on your website reading, um, the rankings of droids. And I was also yep. listening to, to your podcast and from Friday and you're like, kind of bummed that I didn't put BB eight. Number one, it's <laughs> pretty cool. Number one, um, the practical design is just phenomenal. And you're right, like the way that the, the droids can wear so much emotions on their um, on their shoulders based off of like, um, you know, sound noises and a little bit of head movement. It was really BB-8 was pretty awesome and uh, really funny, like the scene where um, Finn is he's still lying to Ray regarding his um involvement with the republic and he's like oh well tell me bba where's your base where's your base and then like <laughs> the thumbs up <laughs> moment yeah the lighter like twice That's so great <laughs> but bba was really cool um and and um similar to r2 yet very very different right way there's way more you can do with the design of bb8 that i yes. feel like you can't do with r2 yes. just yeah, as far as yeah. com- comic relief for example when they're escaping the tie fighters on jakku and the in the falcon for the first time and BB-8 sort of like bouncing around like a ball, a basketball, and then he secures himself with the wires and everything. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. did that, and it's also when Ray is sort of sneaking down the stairs, and you He's see BB-8 totally. in the background, like having a tough time getting down the stairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was yeah. also. I mean, there's just so much more you can do, and yeah. I, I want to know how much of it was practical because if that thing is 100 practical, that thing can f- go so fast. Like when they're sprinting <laughs> around and everything, it's yeah. unbelievable. You know, there's going to be some nerds. There are some nerds right now, are, you know, building their own BB-8s like to full right. scale and speed and everything. <laughs> I want one so bad. That's just, yeah. just the coolest, coolest droid of all time. I mean, totally. I'm, I'm actually. I thought I was going out on a limb by putting him number two, but like <laughs> I said, I'm disappointed he's not number one because so far up there, he's pretty awesome. We got Michael Hernandez who says loves all of it, but I'm disappointed with Captain Phasma. All this franchise needs now is the Rock. <laughs> that's true yeah. i'd love the rock to end this but captain, captain phasma definitely a, an undersight yeah. easily the coolest looking character in this movie right. and yeah. in this new series but kathleen kennedy the producer has confirmed that she will appear in episode eight in further yeah. films so i'm yeah. really looking forward to that yeah like i said on friday i think there's just there's an element of you have to populate this huge universe and you may not have time to get to everybody's full story in the first movie. So yeah, I was disappointed in Phasma too, but I think we'll definitely get some redemption on that moving forward. I freaking loved the second time more general Hux and Dom Hall Gleason's same. same I, I just thought he was, I thought he was a little bit over the top the first time around, mm-hmm. uh, but man, this time he just hits every note perfectly and he's the exact right amount of crazy and over the top. Yeah. And he seems like he was almost impersonating the, the officer in a new hope it's like it is possible however unlikely that the rebels might find it find a weakness and exploit it you know that when he's yeah. telling darth vader okay. that there's an yeah. exploit there's a uh, flaw in the death star's plans uh <laughs> just if you picture that mixed with yeah. peter cushing 
that's exactly what uh, <laughs> yeah. Tom Hall Gleason was going mixed, for here. Mixed with a Nazi, as mixed, Richard man, that, pointed out. Scene, totally right. Yeah. The scene of, of his speech before yeah. they, I guess, go to uh, declare war on the rebellion or on the universe is so Nazi-like and yeah, you know the definitely. red flags and everything and yeah, the, the, the freaking the, the freaking Nazi salute at the end even yeah <laughs> like they, they went that far with it <laughs> Jawsy and uh, and Jonathan my favorite part of this new series is the First Order I just love what they've done with this is that what you're looking forward to most or are you looking forward to following Ray and and oh, Finn no. and those I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, is, is this always just going to be a cycle that we go from <laughs> Sith to the Empire to the to New First Order? order. Yeah. Do, at, yeah. At a certain point, do you think the Rebellion's like, God, we just took these guys down, but now some other <laughs> folks are yeah. yeah. That's actually that's exactly what's going to happen with uh, daily fantasy sports too. If you're if we're being honest, like that's <laughs> we're going to take down DraftKings and uh, whatever the other one is, and then another one's going to spring up in its place. So I want a, I want uh, a uh, anthology film called First Order where we learn about the origin of the First Order. It would yeah, be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, That'd be dope. I was going to open up a place called First Order Vape Shop. But... <laughs> <laughs> I would I'm go in. there. I'm in. Cool. Just hit on those two target markets, the vapors and Star Wars fans. Pretty yeah. big, pretty Dude, big there's crossover one around there. the corner from me. Seriously, that is called Darth Vapor. I'm not lying. <laughs> right around this, right near the mall, Northeast Mall, bro. Yeah, that's amazing. You want to meet me over there? It's literally it shares a wall with uh, what's it? Uh, pipes, papes, and vapes. Like literally, they are right next to pipes, each other. papes, so, and vapes. What a creative. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is we're we're doomed as a society. <laughs> We haven't talked much about Kylo Ren, and I want to talk more about him and uh, his future. Anyone else notice his name is Ben? Ben yeah. Wren, or yeah. Ben Solo, but uh, obviously named... Ben after. Wren would be rough. There's definitely a reason. When he, when he became a Wren, he definitely yeah. had to change his first name. He can't he, be Ben. <laughs> I'm assuming named after their old friend, Kenobi. Definitely. That's a cool touch. A cool little Easter egg, I guess. Not so much an Easter egg, kind of an obvious one, but right. uh, what did you guys think, uh, guests, about Kylo Ren? Were you let down? Were you impressed with him? How do you? How would you rank him next to Vader? I guess Jonathan can go first. Okay. In terms of, no one's going to surpass Vader yet, but uh, he definitely he, he uh, definitely encaptured just the creepy side of the dark side of the Force and how he would get in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was. Initially, at the end, I was I was kind of disappointed that he was weaker in the fight against Daisy Ridley. But what you forget is that he got shot earlier by the crossbow from Chewbacca, and he that, they were they touched on that twice in the movie with Han Solo referencing how strong mm-hmm. the crossbow is. Right. So right. when he was fighting Daisy Ridley, he was obviously in a weakened state, uh, and I'm actually curious how his injuries are going to look kind of going forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's that seemed to me it was really confusing the first time. But the more I thought about it, the way before he fights uh, Daisy and uh, and Finn, the way he's like punching at his wound, mm-hmm. it's yeah. almost as if he feeds off pain and darkness. That's yeah. what I yeah. felt like. It was making him more powerful to have the wound, that he was using mm-hmm. that energy to become more powerful. But that mm-hmm. was kind of psychotic. That was reminded me of like the Joker, something yeah. he would do, like yeah. get, get hurt, but then make it worse on purpose. It was kind of, and we touched on it a little bit in our previous episode, but there's like actual blood in this now. There has never been real injury or blood in Star Wars before. Mm. So there are stakes. 
And they, they've established stakes. If, if nothing else, they've established stakes in this universe that anyone can die at any moment in right. any fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody can get their head blown off or, or you know, limbs. The, the only blood we've really seen was when Obi-Wan cuts the guy's arm off in the cantina, but that was almost campy blood. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. didn't feel real uh, much right. at all. Right. Did you notice how Kylo Ren's helmet is stored on ashes or those yeah, Darth that was Vader a cool touch. I didn't really understand what was happening, but it was cool. <laughs> they they said in the in an early portion of the script, they most of the first order revolved around searching for Darth Vader and his ashes and remains and all that, and perhaps a relic from the Imperials that might help them accomplish their goals or something. It's interesting to see the where they went. Where basically the only references we have to Vader is Ren's obsession with with him. It seems like every everyone else has kind of forgotten about him or moved on. Yeah. Rin just won't let him go and is committed to being the next Vader. But let's talk about the scene between Rin and Han. What a great moment. And Rin says, you know, I feel the light coming through, um, but I know what I have to do to become who I should become. And and Han, you know, very honestly says, I'll do anything for you, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And then Ren sits there, you know, and thinks and then kills him and says, thank you. And then lets go of his body. Like Mm -hmm. he would do anything, including sacrifice himself for, so that Kylo could become who he, I I think Han meant it the other way. Like, I will help you become light. Just tell me whatever, you know, I will help you turn good again. But, uh, you know, he took it obviously a different way. Right. And I guess, you know, it had to come full circle. He had to fully separate himself from his past and from Han and, uh, the mm-hmm. guilt that he felt uh, for not going down that road. And now yeah. I guess he, all his demons have been excised and now he's fully dark. And mm-hmm. as General yeah. Snoke said, now Kylo can become the person he is going, he should, right. is going and the, to become. And there's some psychology to it too of there is no way that he can go back now. You know, and it's not just yeah. I'm fully dark side. It is I can't go back to my family now because I just killed my dad. Like no one will accept, no one on the on the uh, Republic slash uh, resistance side will ever accept me. So this is the path that I'm on now. For he says, I know what I have to do, but I'm not sure I mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. That's a really, it was a great, the second or third time around, you know, the first time, you know, I think, I think I knew heading into that, as soon as, as Han steps out on the bridge, like, oh crap, he's going to die. Like this is going to, this is going down. He's going to die. And I was just kind of caught up in that. The second and third and fourth time I watched it, you really could pick up on that scene is a really a it's a very well structured scene and b uh the two actors are just are going at it i mean that's just that is toe-to-toe great acting on both parts um and i was i was that's a that's a obviously that's an iconic scene that we're going to remember for years and years and years as, as star wars nerds but just from a if you take star wars out of it if you're just talking about like a good scene from a filmmaking standpoint that's pretty stinking good and another indication that Ray is in the bloodline of of the 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 Jedi's or uh, the Skywalkers is that they say you know the droid escaped with a girl and then Kylo Ren's like what girl right as if he knows that yeah. there's a girl out there that exists perhaps a long lost sister that's what I would think uh, there he does the same thing with FN two and eight seven he knows about these people whether you know. Whether we like it or not, he knows that they exist. And it's just interesting that he doesn't want to kill her, you know, uh, when he has her in his custody. He, if he feels her power, why would he not want to eliminate her when they had their first meeting? 
And it's also kind of arrogant how arrogant yes. Kylo Ren is when you could have the droid, but he chose the girl instead. This is all we need because she's seen the map. And the fact that Jedi's, we learn now, can anything you've ever seen, they can get out of your head. You know, the fact that she had seen the map, like the portion of the map in the Millennium Falcon, you know, Kylo Ren knew he could get it out of her eventually. Mm -hmm. But when he does that, she obviously blocks his attempt at that and shows her power. But it does show arrogance. And I think General Huck says, why would you take her when all we needed was the droid? He's like, he says something, you know, like, well, I could get it. She was all we needed, you know, and there's this big debate on whether they did the right thing. But it's definitely very arrogant. But. The moment they meet and we we see Kylo demasked for the first time, it uh, it it's it's kind of a shock to the audience because you know if you've never seen Adam Driver, you don't know he was this character. He's kind of a baby face kind of a guy, you yeah, know, yeah. and and that reveal is definitely not what you would expect from a, a sinister villain removing their mask, kind of a pasty white baby face, you know, right, right. with with kind of an innocent soft voice, you know, it. Uh, it almost played comedically for the first time I saw it when he revealed his mask and it's kind of this weird gothic kid, you know, like straight out of mm -hmm. Hot Topic. But I think, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it was definitely a good reveal. I didn't really think much about the reveal. About it was that. weird. He was wearing a Family Guy shirt, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the choice they made. So <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, I have another question about Ray. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. How does she know every language in the entire Star Wars yeah, universe? That's yeah. kind of, uh, I don't know. Either, either that becomes, that's a Jedi thing, or that is kind of a plot point. The, the droid thing I totally was down with, but when she could speak uh, Wookiee, it's was like, oh, I don't know. Well, Han a, speaks Wookiee, but she speaks I know, droid. But he's she been, speaks astromech droid, which is kind right. of, like, no one has been able to, to translate R2-D2 except for maybe C-3PO and Luke at times where he's like, but Luke also has a translator on his X-Wing. He's like, that's right, R2. We are going to the Dagobah system because it's his computer I, is translating R2's language into I will, text. I will say, I think that's something, because you're right, that's that's what it starts off with, but I think that is established throughout the rest of the the universe of that that people can't understand droids. That's it, I think they kind of uh, almost like erase that from the canon in some ways. That I think that's a thing that people can do. But the Wookiee thing, when would she have ever come in contact with the Wookiee? That's not, you know, that was a strange. Yeah, that is that is strange. that is strange. Well, and maybe just she, maybe she went into your office, but Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. seen a little fanboy uproar about the fact that are you kidding me? That Han really hasn't used uh, Chewie's weapon this whole time. <laughs> and and I just 
I've heard that the the crossbow is just so quintessentially Wookiee. It's just really yeah. like no one else uses them. Like they yeah. build them themselves and they, it's like their thing. So it's, their it's understandable. It's, it's their, their lightsaber. lightsaber. Sure. Yeah. It's understandable that that would, totally. uh, that, that would be that way. It's called, it's called a bowcaster, by the way, if we want to get super nerdy Sorry. and factual. Uh, <laughs> FN2187, just interested that they didn't do an FN1138 just for yeah. an homage to George <laughs> Lucas or yeah. another, you know, that would have been a funny little Easter egg or. Say what up to to Georgie boy, jo- Jawsy and Jonathan. Any closing thoughts? Anything that you absolutely loved, hated about the Force Awakens that we haven't touched on in this uh, this hour long conversation we've been having? I love that um, they just did it right. Um, yeah. I think that's what we really wanted more than anything else. It could have fell flat on his face, and um, you know there's there's so much build up and expectation, and for JJ to be able to close some gaps between the older generation of Star Wars and moving forward, establishing his universe. I think um, the franchise, you know, got its much needed justice. And dare I say that um, I believe that they played it safe on this one um, because they, it looks like they didn't take many risks considering um, they wanted it to appeal to like the mass audiences moving on. I would say like five years from now or like when this next trilogy is complete and there'd be um, tons of spinoffs. I believe that the best is yet to come with a franchise going yeah, forward yeah. right now. If this is like an indication of like this is where it's going to – at least this is the bar, I believe it's only going to get better at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think F8 is the one where you you start to say, okay, this is this is a great – this is the best Star Wars movie. I, I kind of expect it almost at this point. Yeah, and Ryan Johnson is – a better writer and director than J.J. Yes. Abrams, so yes. we have that going for us and the collaboration I think there. They did it in the perfect order, don't you think? Like, because yeah. J.J. is a visionary, and that's what this this franchise needed so badly to start things off was was that kind of vision. And Ryan Johnson is just an incredibly gifted writer, director, filmmaker, and I I think those two will pair so well together. We have Miranda on Twitter who says the characters were so well done, especially mesmerized by Kylo Ren. Adam Driver was absolutely terrifying, but I can't wait for more Poe. And I would love to see where they go with Poe in this series. I know he's not going to be in Rogue One because that takes place before before even A New Hope does. So unless he is ageless, I'm assuming we won't see any Poe Dameron in in that. But I was extremely impressed by Oscar Isaac and that Mm -hmm. just that character alone. Like I said, could have done a whole movie of just him and BB-8. I thought totally. their, their chemistry totally. was was palpable even at the beginning. That even mm-hmm. how weird that sounds—a droid and a and a human—but they uh, they were impressive and yeah. great I, actors, man. It's it's amazing what great actors can do. It's amazing the performance they got out of yeah. BB-8. Uh huh. Yeah. And okay. I, it's just I can't wait for the Blu-ray. I hope there's like 50 hours of special features. There's just so much <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. how they arrived at certain things and why the the decisions that they make, they're so impactful in this universe. The designs mm-hmm. they settle mm-hmm. on, the fact that they changed the this, this stormtroopers to the First Order and every little detail is just, you know, they knew that every Star Wars fan in, on Earth would be analyzing almost every aspect of this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they did it great. My... I'm loving Maz Katana too. The second time, I just mm-hmm. think she was such a cool character yeah. and sort of a non-annoying Yoda, and that <laughs> makes sense because I thought I, while Yoda is charming and funny, especially in Empire, uh, with the prequels, I was just like, no, just stop. I just don't don't care about Yoda lightsaber fighting or 
being that involved in the uh, Jedi Order. But yeah. Maz Katana, Yoda, Yoda is, original trilogy, awesome. Yoda prequels, please stop, please stop. Maz Katana, like was, yeah. front flips. Exactly. Say it again. No, the front flips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a little unbelievable. Oh, and George, like, yeah, well, we're finally gonna get to see Yoda fight. Well, no one ever wanted to see Yoda fight, so I don't know why you're. It's just there's so much about the spirit of Star Wars that is evident here, and I just don't, yeah. I just don't know how they cap, they found out what that was because. You know, any other person would say, "Oh, you just fill it with aliens, spaceships, lightsabers, and and uh, and droids, and it's Star Wars." Well, no, mm-hmm. that's just not the case. The, the, the prequels proved that. I just, I'm so in awe about how they were able to replicate the original trilogy. I mean, it's, they're three of the greatest movies of all time, and to replicate right. that but build it up into something bigger, I just don't. I'm just in awe of the accomplishment, really. Yeah, you know, if well, they they put the, us three in charge of it, you know, or something, right. it's basically the same. You got to look at it from your perspective. If somebody came to you and said you're going to make a new Star Wars movie, think about the pressure. Think about the oh yeah, it's just I can't believe. I mean, the influences here. I don't know how much it was JJ or if other people were involved or Lawrence Kasdan was the the main factor mm-hmm. in why it felt so original. But hats off to everybody. They reined this thing in. And uh, I think it's more than just let's add more practical effects. There's such right. a there's an yep. energy to it all, and there's a right. you have to atmosphere. understand the spirit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do we think about the reveal of Luke at the end, guys, uh, guests? Because this is controversial as well. And it's funny that Mark Hamill is still second billing in this film, especially at the end. It says directed by J.J. Abrams and written, you know, shows the screenwriters and producers. But then after that, it shows the main cast. This is Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. He was in it for less than 10 seconds and, or, you know, 10 seconds and had no lines. And, uh, man, but I'm sure he was on set every day, but I feel like that scene at the end, is just, it's so perfectly done that I feel like maybe it took a week to even shoot that, you know, just (laughs) to get it right because it's so right. (laughs) And the emotion in his face and the look he gives her, it's all so important. You know, It, it has to be exactly perfect and it was uh i felt like i i could have done without the helicopter helicopter shot at the end though i don't yeah. I felt a little i don't understand why they why that had to be there or happen i just luke's face at the end would have would have summed it up just his look of wonder you know the their looks of wonder at each other would have done it for me but um what did we think of the end uh, guys uh liked it a lot i actually liked that he didn't say a single word in the film yeah. uh and we all wanted to see we, – we wanted to see Han Solo. We wanted one more run with him. Uh, so to have Luke at the end just staring, and you, you see the wonder in his face, the pain and optimism. And then I, I agree the helicopter shot kind of extended it too long, but I, it was a powerful moment, and mm-hmm. it really carries the franchise. Yeah, I, I think Luke, you know, in the same essence of Ben, he felt the death Yes, of of yes, the absolutely. people, the mass quantities of people dying. It disturbed him. He felt the death of Han. Definitely. And it yep. awoke him. It awoke R2-D2, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon lands on the island. I'm sure he saw that and everything. But the moment for me was that when he turned around, he didn't expect it to be Ray or a girl mm. or or who piloted the ship was, was her, you know, because he knew Han was dead. Um, yeah. I think he knows her. I think the look that he was shocked, he, it's his long lost daughter or, or net niece or something. There's some connection mm-hmm. there right. that we haven't learned yet. 
and I'm excited for that. But there were discussions, and JJ said it before, and Larry Kazan said there were discussions about bringing Luke in to this film earlier. But they said the reason they didn't is that once you do that, it immediately becomes Luke's film. Yeah, because right. once you have Luke Skywalker, it was like, who gives a crap about Ray? Luke's here, right? You know, yes. And, and they, uh, they did that perfectly by avoiding that. Absolutely. And I, I think we'll maybe get them together in the new in Episode Eight. Maybe Luke and Ray and Chewbacca, you know, go try to find Kylo or destroy Kylo. I don't know. I know he's going to be mm-hmm. more involved mm-hmm. though in the next ones. But if he's not, that's cr- criminally underused. If yeah. he's not a, a major player in the next ones. So what do we hope for Episode Eight? Let's end here. What what can we only hope uh, story wise where they go from here? They they've set it up perfectly, but where do we hope it goes? Um, I hope that Ray um, begins her training. <laughs> yeah, that's obvious, and I also believe that um, I think her staff will serve as a um, as like a Darth Maul esque lightsaber eventually. I think that's something nice. I kind of like thought of um, when looking at the way she fights and everything. Um, also. I'm, very interested to see um, how come Luke doesn't have his lightsaber. What what happened between yes. uh, Return of Jedi and now that caused Luke to lose his saber? That's very interesting to me. I think he might. My theory is that he gave it up. Gave it up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or Maz Katana convinced him that things were going to happen, or that in order Ooh. for fate to happen, he had to give it up, and it had to the the tor- I see it as a literal torch had to be passed. You know, sure, but yeah. that lightsaber won't. Be, I, I think you guys are right. I think it's going to be a. I gave it up. I'm not. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. But that lightsaber is the one he lost in Cloud City in Empire uh-huh. Strikes Back. So oh, something yeah. else I wondered about, and Richard touched on this: the fact that Jakku, when he first we first see the Adat, that it's mm-hmm. uh, that it could have been prior Hoth, like a climate change or something. But that's only mm-hmm. a I don't know fifty years difference. It's no way that happened. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that I guess B- Ray lives inside it. So something I yeah, didn't, I didn't cool. catch the yeah. first time. She lives inside the Adat and uh, puts on the kind of pilot helmet. It occurred to me that that was Luke's helmet from Empire that he <laughs> takes off before he downs the uh, downs the Adat. But mm. we don't really see a hole in the bottom of the Adat, so that we know it's the one that he yeah. cut a hole in the bottom of it. But that would have right. been a cool little Easter egg um, as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see where they go, and we can only hope that. Um, that uh, it can match this because this was a big deal, made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, let's let's put it into perspective on money wise and where we think this movie is going to go. I think it's going to be a big player this week for Christmas for sure. I think it'll be another hundred million this week, yeah, if not more. Um, so I think it'll be in theaters for. It's going to have staying power, and I think most people will revisit it. Most of the people that will revisit it though will be in the first week or two weeks. I think. Um, other than casual people who might revisit it a month later, but the most, most of the hardcore fans speaking for myself wanted to see it again as soon as possible. And so that's what I did, mm-hmm. but it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long it stays out this year because it, yeah. it's got a chance, <laughs> you know, it broke the opening weekend. I think domestic box office. <laughs> yeah. It's shit, not about, destroyed, not but not worldwide, not which worldwide. is interesting. Yeah. But I do think there's a couple of the big, like it ha- I don't think it's done China yet. And I think Jurassic world had at this point. So I think that's, that's maybe part of it too, is that it hasn't hit some of the bigger markets uh overseas yeah it's it's on par with believe it or not jurassic world and furious <laughs> seven crazy this year is <laughs> crazy i can't believe there's so much interest in furious like just in hindsight hey, like never never turn your back on family can't. it's unbelievable the, the global <laughs> i understand star wars because it's 30 years old everyone grew up with it and it's it's yeah. visionary and it broke you know 
every box office in Hollywood and it's uh it literally changed cinema forever, but I mean, the fact that Fast and Furious is about neck and neck with it, fan base wise and money wise, is it's truly unbelievable to think about. And there are just as many Fast movies as there are Star Wars movies. Let that sink in a little bit. Power of Diesel, baby. <laughs> Never just turned it back. Like what, fourteen years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other closing thoughts? No, just excited to learn more about uh, Snoke and kind of go down that line. And yeah, yeah, just. So happy that the franchise is in the right hands. I have a feeling Snoke is going to be like two feet tall, and it's going to be one of those Wizard of Oz <laughs> scenarios. Yeah. yeah, you know, like he is portraying this huge figure, but he's actually a weakling. Totally, I'm excited for that. We don't know the origins of, of Snoke. I've heard Darth Plagueis, who's referenced in the prequels mm-hmm. a couple of times, who sort of, I don't know he was the once the most powerful Sith, and I've also heard uh, that it's Darth Sidious who's still alive and is in a crazy i don't i don't know what to say uh not i guess deformed state if that makes sense or deteriorated that's the word i'm looking for state we'll we'll be interested to see where that goes as well so that's all i have to say i want to give you guys chances for grades though so what would you grade this fellas uh definitely a solid a solid a uh and with many a pluses to come sure cool same. Exactly the same. Awesome. Well, that about does it uh, for this conversation. We might revisit this, believe it or not, at a later date, maybe a few weeks <laughs> yeah. after we yeah. really have time to, right. to settle a little, on little it. Further. But, Brian, let's close with this. Uh, you've seen it four times. Uh-huh. Has your love grown? Has it changed? Uh, what do you feel now that you've had time to seriously digest this thing multiple times? Yeah, I do. I mean, I love I enjoy, I'm glad I got to see it twice the first night before we talked about it because I I really enjoyed it the first time, but the second time really pushed it over the top for me. So uh, third and fourth certainly did nothing to diminish that. I, I mean, I love this movie. It'll definitely be in my top ten when we do that episode in a few weeks. And um, I'm just so stoked that, which Jonathan, I think, said, you know, that it's in the right hands, that we're going to get – a Star Wars movie every year for the foreseeable future and that the right people are going to be in charge of that. Like, it's such a cool, it's so cool to see all these people get excited about it. Cause I, like I growing up, I kind of felt like I was the only one who really cared about Star Wars amongst my, my group of friends. And now it feels like everyone in the world is obsessed with Star Wars. And I, I love that, that feeling of like, everybody's in on the bit, you know, everybody's in on the, the thing that I, that I love. So I've loved it. I'm excited to uh, continue to be able to to share it with my kiddo. And um, but every movie that comes this way, I just I I don't anticipate there ever being a point where I'm like, okay, I've had it with Star Wars. Can we stop making Star Wars movies? So um, this was a great start. We have one more fan comment I want to get to. Uh, Jorge Osuna via email who pointed out that Kylo Ren's mask is eerily reminiscent of the Royal Guards from the original trilogy. Kind of a cross between sure. the Royal Guard mask and Darth Vader's mask, which is a good, a little good insight there. Mm-hmm. He also uh, has some feelings about Han uh, that I want to share. Maybe we can end on this. He goes, it's been 10 hours since I saw it, and I can't believe it. I feel like they took something away from me. I mean, of course mm-hmm. I should have expected it. It's the third time they've killed a major character, albeit an older one, in the first episode of the trilogy. But still, Han? Han freaking Solo? He goes, I didn't cry. I was too shocked to cry. But also, I did not enjoy anything about the movie after that. I kept thinking about how without Han, it wouldn't be the same. Oh, you blew up a planet? Great. Now you'll never find his body and give him a proper burial. 
<laughs> oh, you found Luke? When are you going to break the bad news to him? I'm yeah. so sad, and I can't deny it. Anyways, the movie was awesome. A plus easy. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's so and thank you for your email, uh, Jorge. And he also wrote back after that and mentioned the Darth Plagueis uh, line about um, the the Snoke being Darth Plagueis, or that Darth Plagueis may have created the Skywalker bloodline, which is an interesting uh, plot line to look out for as well. But yeah, man, Han, people are emotional. And you can't you can't deny him. Like I said, you can only play that card once, and now he's gone. You know, mm-hmm. and I guess this completely erases any chance at a prequel to to Force Awakens that that tells us the events between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens because that's something I would really be interested in in seeing. You know, how everyone went their separate ways. And one of the more powerful moments in the movie is the second time uh, Han and Leia talk, and they talk about their pasts and how. You know, they were just so torn apart by the their the loss of their son to the dark side that, you know, Leia had to go be a general and Han had to go be a smuggler. They all yeah. kinda had to do what they do, you know, to, to move on with their lives. And man, I, I'm I'm interested to to know more about the events that have happened between then and now. There's there's so much to go into. Can't wait. I wanna read the novelization just because I feel like it'll go more into that. Yeah, it might be an interesting thing to read the novelization and then talk about that uh, at some point in in the context of of the movie. So thank you, Jazzy and Jonathan. You guys were excellent. Definitely yes. know your Star Wars, and feel free to uh, send us any Star Wars thoughts you have, and we'll we will talk Star Wars more later next year. Maybe y'all can join us uh, when we talk Rogue One. That would be excellent. But until yeah. then, if I was a listener of the show, where could we follow you? Uh, online, on you Twitter can, and things. You can find me at the uh, J.E. Glucksman on the Twitter and Jossie. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at G. Edmondson, um, 24. I'm not so active on Twitter, um, but I'm there. <laughs> excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. This has been excellent. It's been a, a great conversation and a great way to sit back and, and kind of analyze what we've all experienced. And, and again, listeners, if you have thoughts on this movie, please a- email them to us tweet us. We would love to hear you and continue this conversation off the air. But until next time, I will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. (laughs) But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.